Welcome to Built by a Boss. I'm your host, Evelyn Brooks, journalist, award-winning producer, author, founder of In My Solitude LA. On this podcast, you'll hear unique origin stories, growth strategies, and meaningful insights from successful female founders and entrepreneurs who are creating groundbreaking businesses and careers with intention. This episode is brought to you by Audible. If you love listening to podcasts, you will certainly enjoy the audiobook of my guest today, Miss Tina Lifford. Many of you may know her as the character Aunt Vi from one of my favorite shows, Queen Sugar on the Own Network. She's written a wonderful book called The Little Book of Big Lies, A Journey into Inner Fitness. It's definitely a game changer. Here's Miss Tina Lifford. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Evelyn. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm so very well as well. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have you, truly. I am so excited to talk to you. So first of all, I love this book. <laughs> this book, truly, it's made for these times. Yeah. It's, it's a tool for people to use just to help you manage your emotions, help you protect your mental health. Yes. I, I just I just love it. And and I am thrilled to be able to do this this conversation with you because you are my people. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you why, because I read something in your book and I was just like, oh my God, I, I know this woman. <laughs> so you 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 wrote this one part about how when you were a child, how you were very serious and you were into personal development, right? Uh-huh. And I thought, okay. So when I was little, I loved, I read like Louise Hay and Morris <laughs> Schultz, all this stuff, right? And I used to make um, affirmation cards and I would give them to my sister <laughs> when she would do something mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful that's a fantastic story oh my god but then she would rewrite them and give them back to me with something <laughs> snarky on them <laughs> now that sounds hysterical as well I have to tell you I know yeah. <laughs> but when I read that you were that kind of little girl I was just like yep so was I I have to talk to her so thank you Thank you for being here today. And thank you for sharing your story. So many wonderful moments in this book. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I love the idea of this book being a vehicle to help us become fully alive. Yeah. Explain what that means, being fully alive. Yeah, uh, that's a fantastic question. Thank you for asking. So to be fully alive means to have full access to ourselves, which means that there's no part of us that we are rejecting, denying, circumventing out of fear, or uh, pretense. Instead, we are in this acknowledgement 
of who we are, this awareness of who we are. And that awareness allows us to acknowledge all the aspects of our being and this journey. It allows us to say, uh, this is where I am. This is what happened. This is how I feel. This is what I want. And for so many people, the hurts, dramas, traumas, upsets, disappointments, and fears that I, you know, lump into the word lies, those things have robbed people of their ability to have full access to themselves in those ways. So what is a big lie? Because sometimes we don't even know that a big lie is blocking us from living a life where we feel fully alive. Yeah, yeah, uh, good, great question. So, you know, the little book of big lies, it actually speaks to about 13 lies. But those 13 lies help you to see how any event, and this is how I define a lie, and then I'll talk to you about some specific lies. I define a lie as any event, person, or experience that left you feeling less than, not good enough, incapable, or afraid of knowing yourself. Anything that separated you from your innate wholeness, your innate worth is a lie. And those moments must be revisited so that we can take our power back from the lie and begin to expand into our greater, most authentic and whole self. And, you know, these are, these are lies that we tell ourselves all the time and can't even see them. You know, the lie of that you're not good enough. It's a big lie. And that, that lie, uh, it is such a subtle, ingrained thought in so many different areas of our lives. So we have to be able to see that one and, you know, call it out. Big lie. Big lie is that some pain lasts forever. Mm -hmm. We all have something that we have tried as best as we have known how to do up until now. We've tried to, you know, fix that thing once and forever. We've tried to, you know, uh, forget it once and forever. We've tried to turn our back on it and walk away. We have tried time and time again to circumvent this pain, whatever it is, this discomfort, whatever it is. And yet we periodically find ourselves in a, a set of circumstances where, you know, we feel like we're right back to where we started. Mm -hmm. And when we feel that, that experience of being right back, uh, at you know where we started, there is in that this frustration, and underneath that frustration, there is the fear and the sadness that will never be free of it. And 
that lie in particular is the reason that I wrote the little book of big lies, because we must know, we must know that science, you know, brain science Mm -hmm. is letting us know that our brains are available and willing and capable of change from the day we are born, the day we die. That was not always known to be true. And now uh, science confirms that. Yes. Which means that we, with better information, can revisit those lies. And with that better information and practice, just like you know, you have to put in the work where your physical health and, and, you know, weight and all of that are concerned. But with that effort, you can indeed change anything and everything for the better. So here is something about your book that I thought was a true foundation to me that I, that I want to talk about because I'm like, okay, this is kind of the beginning of where you start to figure out those lies. And and I'll mention that at the end of every chapter, you actually have exercises. So it's a practice. So it's not just us talking about it today, but like people need to get the book and then actually fully commit themselves to the practices at the end of each chapter. But this is the thing that really resonated. And when you said talking about the brain changing things, like I, I, I know you read that book, The Brain That Changes Things. Yes. That Mm -hmm. book is amazing, but it it just talks about, you know, our brain and plasticity and how we can change things, our thoughts. But it also made this connection to our other brain that's in our gut, our instinct. And in your book, there is a moment when you are in the car with your boyfriend and you decide that you are not ready to have sex with him. And you could not articulate it, but your intuition, your gut, your connection to your heart and your self-love helps you figure that out. So can you go into that moment and how the lie was in the feeling in your body? Like that was, that's the first thing that's the first moment that you become aware that something's not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, our sensitivity should never be underestimated. Even after years of sort of numbing ourselves um, in an attempt to distance from feeling, there there is a part of us I call it the thriving self or even the infinite self. That is, it knows who we are. Mm. And it is always endeavoring to help us fully realize who we truly are. And a great way that it assists us is through our feelings, through those intuitions, those gut instincts, those those moments that sort of, you know, crawl over our flesh as chill bumps, right? Mm -hmm. And our job is to pay attention. I cannot overemphasize 
the importance of paying attention. Because if you slow down or if you just make self a priority, then you will begin to hear just little, not full-fledged voiced advice, even though that can happen as well. I've had that happen. But you can hear a, hmm, uh -uh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh-uh. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Uh -uh. Uh -uh. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Go this way. Mm, That's not going to be good. It's a whisper. It's a whisper. And that whisper may not even happen in voice, Uh -uh. but it happens in such a way that your body and your mind are engaged. Something is happening. You know, up until now, Evelyn, we have not been taught the power of who we are. In fact, we're just, science is just beginning to figure out stuff that, you know, mystics have talked about forever. Mm -hmm. And so if we just start with the premise that we are more than the image we see in the mirror and that we are an extension of an intelligent force, the intelligent force that has created and ordered the universe. If we just start with those two thoughts and leave room to be curious about what that means to you and your life, it will naturally have you begin to be curious, to ask questions, to give yourself more time and attention. That's interesting because if you look at this moment that we're in, a lot of us have nothing but time and attention to give to ourselves, and people are struggling with that much time for infection. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up because this time in quarantine has been extremely gratifying and fulfilling time for the work that I do, you know, the inner fitness project. You know, Mm -hmm. Lord knows I love acting and want to act until I die. However, the inner fitness work is, you know, it's in tandem. Mm -hmm. And when the pandemic hit, we had just maybe, maybe a month and a half earlier, begun to do inner fitness workouts online, you know, where we are finding a model and a way to make inner fitness as uh, familiar, um, well-understood, accessible, and actionable as physical fitness is in our lives. Right. Because we know that well-being is as important important to our overall life as wellness is, right? right? And I'll tell you that it is incredibly uh, exciting it's exciting for what's possible and what's coming for, for our culture, not just in terms of people of color, but in terms of, you know, uh, the American culture and the world. 
what's coming, I can see because in this pandemic, uh, you've got people, you know, longing on who want to be in community. Mm-hmm. You've got people, you know, at a time when work and how much money they're making is not uh, totally known or secure. You've got people coming in and investing in their inner health and well-being. We've got that conversation happening in corporations now. So our society is in enough pain Mm -hmm. that we are making major shifts and changes in how we live life. And I just need to share a couple of these statistics. One in five women takes some sort of antidepressant. One in five women. That's a big number. That's a big number. One in four One people. In. Yeah, and women, women suffer with depression more than men. One in four people has experienced some form of parental abuse. Mm-hmm. One in five Americans was sexually molested as a child. Not one in five women. People. One in five Americans was molested as a child. And one in eight has grown up with alcoholic relatives and all of the chaos that goes with that. We, without question, are in need of support Mm -hmm. for the living, (laughs) you know, that has the the dysfunctional living. And, and, you know, dysfunctional can sometimes sound harsh. So I'm going to say the misguided uh, choices that have come from our ignorance uh, about who we are as emotional beings. And that work is being corrected. Those, those errors, those mis, mishaps, those mistakes and missteps are being corrected. And inner fitness, I am here to tell you, not just because it's my passion, but because it makes sense. We will be engaging in inner fitness, uh, workouts, concerns, um, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if an entire industry around inner fitness is birthed in the very way that physical fitness has been changing our lives for the better since 1934. I agree with you 100%. I, th- I think it's for our, our very survival as a species. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because because our level of emotional intelligence that we're exhibiting right now tells me that we have not been listening to the whispers. Most of us, you know, all of these things that are happening that have happened to us, we don't have the tools or the skills to really process our emotions. So we just pass it down from generation to generation. And there was one example in your book that I thought was so beautiful. I just can't stress enough that people read this. It's just some of these little stories are just incredible moments to help really show the work that you've done in your own life to be able to pull it into this book and encapsulate it so well. 
and then give us exercises to actually change our, our own lives. That's so hard to do because a lot of people write books, but they don't, <laughs> they don't tell you how to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what Look, I mean? Writers in okay. church. That's the, yes. that's, that's the frustration with both church and writing. You know, a lot of self-help books, they say wonderful things that feel good in the moment, but yes. they don't show you how to help have self-agency. Yes. So there was a gentleman in the book who was, he was just a bad manager, so to speak, but he had to dig down into his own life and see the connection to his own father and that yes. he was treated a certain way and therefore yes. he treated other people that way. Yes. And so... To me, that's kind of like an exercise for inner fitness that is not connected to, you know, a trauma per se that you could put your finger on that happened to you as a child, but a manifestation of it. Absolutely. We come to treat ourselves the way we have been treated. If we don't know that the way we have been treated is wrong and damaging to our greater sense of ourselves. If we know that, you know, and most of us, when we encounter young uh, abuse, we don't have, uh, you know, the facility, the understanding of life to be able to say, hmm, mom, dad, sister, uh, relatives, you know, teacher, friends, that behavior and what you were trying to uh, do and say to me is unacceptable. We don't have that sort of mature thinking and voice. And so those things that happen become internalized. And in the very odd way that, this, that we as human beings work, once we hear something, even if we think, well, that just isn't nice or kind or whatever, but once we ingest it, we literally begin to um, interact with ourselves from that lie. We literally begin to tell ourselves that we're not worth anything, mm -hmm. you know, that we're not good enough, that we're stupid, that we can't get this done, that this will never happen. And so our job is to become aware, you know, aware of who we are and that's, again, it's not the person that you're looking at in the mirror. But we're more and we're capable of so much more. That whole, I'm upset because every single time a person says, I'm upset because it is a inner fitness moment. Mm -hmm. Because when we begin to realize that what happens outside of us is not what causes us our upset. What causes upset is that something in the past happened that wasn't fully processed. Mm -hmm. And that upset remains inside of us waiting to be processed. And then, you know, something new happens and it triggers that unresolved, unprocessed hurt. And so we find ourselves, you know, triggered and angry and enraged. But the truth is that upset was already sitting inside, waiting to be processed. Mm. 
That that is so good because you know it, it, it's that's what you hear a lot when someone is in a situation where they may have been battered or you know you're acting out. You made me do it, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, no, it was in you already. That's right, and you just didn't deal with it. That's right. That's right. That's you know right. what I also um, I thought was really awesome that was at that was underneath that in terms of the reaction to things when they happen and how when they're not cleared up and you're, you don't have an understanding of inner fitness, how instead of shining the light on the situation and the person, you, you, you dim your own light through self-judgment and self-rejection. You talked about that. Yeah. And, and I think that's a part of kind of what's coming up for people right now. It's like, you're, that's the pain that we're, we're in where, how long can you beat yourself up? It's like enough. Yes. How, how do I work through this? Yeah. Yeah. In the book, I share the concept of us having this range of self, you know, now, first off, for a lot of people, it is news that they even have a self because right. we haven't been taught to think of ourselves uh, in terms of our interior aliveness, you know, our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs. So that's news for some people. Oh my God, there's a, there's a self and this self, this self forms itself uh, and moves through the world based upon our, my thoughts, my feelings, my beliefs. And And it's often programmed by others. Exactly. Exactly. And it's often programmed by, you know, other people specifically and other experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the most important things for uh, people to know and at least contemplate, I have identified for ease, you know, so that we can more easily see self in operation Mm-hmm. The surviving self, the thriving self, and the infinite self. And what we need to know about the surviving self. The surviving self is that part of us that is always in worry, doubt, and fear. Always ready for a fight. Always looking for what's wrong. No matter how good life can be going, you know, you'll wake up feeling great. And before you know it, what you're looking for is that problem that you had yesterday mm-hmm. or what you're looking for uh, uh, or engaged in and focused on is some argument that took place, you know, not just last week, but even 10 years ago. Yes. Yeah, so you're still right. <laughs> yeah. right. And it's really important for people to understand why that happens. That happens because we are an evolving species. And as an evolving species, we are working with a nervous system that has has been in a level of development for 500 million years. Mm -hmm. Now, if you just think about it, you know, if we start with a single cell amoeba, you know, and now we're this multi-trillion cell being, you can just imagine how on alert that nervous system had to be and was because everything was a threat. You know, Mm. Um, animals were a threat until 
human beings developed the ability to use their minds to be able to conquer or win over nature. Man was sort of low on the totem pole in terms of survival. Right, right. And so we, the nervous systems we are operating with, have been going up and on alert for millions of years. Fight or flight, yeah. That's right. You know, fight, fright, flight, or freeze. And so that behavior is natural and we shouldn't beat ourselves up for it. It is the most practiced part of our reactions. But the great news is that as man has evolved, so too has the brain. And we now have the frontal lobe and it has the ability to actually, it's called the executive thinking center. And it has the ability to be aware, to be Mm self-aware and to make rational decisions. That's where we can access and access our thriving self. And so our job, and we can do this, we can get this done, is to begin to give more priority, you know, to the thriving self and the infant self. Learn more about that part of us that is so freaking powerful that it can rewrite the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism that has been in operation for millions of years. But you have to have the right information to do that. And you have to believe what science is saying at this point, that it can get done. And what you're saying is really interesting because there is a leap that has to happen. And I think that is in the practice, which is the leap from self-awareness to self-love and self-esteem. Because I can be aware, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. But then making the leap to being in the moment, aware of it, and then making a different choice, that's the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, (laughs) in the inner fitness work that we do. I walk through five emotions that really speak to the journey that you're talking about. And the first one is going, hmm, hmm. That hmm is us becoming aware, catching sight, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what you haven't seen before. Hmm. And then you go to wow, which is, wow, I do this. This is what happens. Oh, this is how I feel. Wow. Like, oh, I do okay. this all the time. When? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that, that, that wow really does open you up to seeing and having more ability to see. And the more you can see, the more you can change. Mm-hmm. And then you move to awe. And that awe is oh, I just have to accept myself. I have to accept that that's where I was. I have to accept that this is the reality 
you know, that I'm in. I have to accept that this is my journey. I have to accept just awe. And that awe is just full of love, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And once you go awe, once you go awe, it connects you to your value, your preciousness. And now you can mm -mm, interrupt it. Mm -mm. Nope. No, mm -mm. no, I see you. I see that that's how I have done it up until now. Mm -mm. I can make a new chance, a new, a new choice. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So, and then gratitude, which is just, thank you. Right. So it's, mm, wow, oh, mm -mm. and thank you. And we, we can be moving through our awareness, our acknowledgement, our acceptance, and our pattern interruption and standing in gratitude. Those are the five steps that we have to take for the rest of our lives. And, you know, if I were talking about physical fitness, that's like saying, you know, you have to do cardio work, you have to do, um, you know, muscle strengthening work, you have to do diet in, and, you know, be mindful of your diet in order to be strong and healthy for the rest of your life. And our need to go, hmm, wow, aw, mm-mm and thank you is for the rest of our lives because we, our lives are unfolding and awareness and acknowledgement and acceptance and pattern interruption and gratitude are the skills that we need to meet life at every, you know, um, just ongoing, just ongoing to become who we truly are. I think what you just said there, I think that's also what we're going through as a culture, specifically African-Americans. We're kind of, we're in that uh-uh phase. And then we're also in that ah uh phase for the past and the culmination of things. And then we're also in this place of how do we practice self-care in the midst of watching ourselves be re-traumatized on a daily basis. Like what principle can we gather unto ourselves right now as a guiding force through these type of days we're in? Yeah. You know, um, I always uh, recommend that we begin with a higher truth about who we are. Mm -hmm. Right. When we can tap into a higher truth about who we are, we can more effectively address the victimization that needs to be addressed without uh, feeling like victims, without becoming victims. And one of the ways in which we uh, at the Inner Fitness Project uh, encourage people to think of themselves. Uh, it's an acronym uh, called CREW-UP, C-R-E-W-W-UP. 
And that stands for recognizing that you are innately. That means God, you know, made you innately creative, innately resilient, innately empowered to choose and re-choose how you think and respond, innately whole. That means 400 years of slavery, 5,000 years of slavery, you know, laws, uh, unjust laws, none of that, you know, murder in the street, none of that can deny the fact that you are innately whole, innately worthy. And when we begin to give ourselves the kind of time and attention, prioritizing our inner fitness, it forces us to, you know, revisit daily, sometimes, you know, hour to hour, that truth that I am innately resilient, innately creative, resilient, empowered to choose, whole and worthy. And when I allow myself to open to that so that, you know, that intelligent force that is greater than us all can help put that into form, have that become part of my thinking, have that become part of my response, then I unleash my possibilities. So that's what crew up means. We are creative enough to design and redesign our lives. And if we are designing and redesigning our lives, we are designing and redesigning history. We are resilient enough to weather any storm. We have proven this. I'm looking forward to the research that speaks to, you know, how incredibly resilient um, Black folks are, you know, and... Yeah, there, there must be a test we can I'm, take. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you that, that that is one of our superpowers. And we need to know that so that we don't, as we end this awakening, one of my concerns is that in this very necessary and important awakening that is happening and all of this conversation about abuse and his and systemic abuse and historical abuse and and um you know uh, institutional abuse we must talk about that victimization for sure the black folks have to hold themselves apart from the idea that they are broken or victims. We must make the system accountable, but we can't take on the belief that we are broken because that is where the institutions of greed win. Mm -hmm. When you break people, they can't access their innate creativity, resilience, their ability to choose, their their power to choose. They can't hold on to their sense of wholeness. They can't hold on to their sense of worth. And it is from that core, from that center, that you actually 
experience the power of hope, possibility, enthusiasm, curiosity, openness, uh, drive, purpose, you know, all of that comes from, all of that power comes from a sense of one's wholeness. That's the thriving self. We cannot give that part of ourselves over to this pain and this history. And so we have to really, in that this is, in that this is as it is, right? Mm -hmm. This is the history that we are living. These are the conditions that we are in. We must use them to grow, not to acquiesce, but to truly step into the power that we are. Mm, And that is what scares the status quo and system to death. Because if you think about it, Evelyn, <laughs> Black folks should be extinct by now. We shouldn't even be here. Yes. That, which speaks to the power that we have, the resilience that we have. I'm not saying we are favored people because I don't believe in that. I don't believe that there's a, you know, a higher being or species that is you know, showing favoritism, but there are ways of being inside of oneself that are powerful. Well, and resilience, resilience makes you powerful and we are freaking resilient. Well, it's interesting because just through this whole experience and watching everything that's happening and, you know, and, and we're all participating in our own way. And I, I have really been thinking about what you just said in terms of, you know, what is it about, you know, people specifically that have, the experience of slavery and coming here um, under those circumstances. And, and then I've, I've just been looking at how we react to certain things. It's like we, we experience the trauma and then, and then we all, I always hear people say, I love us. And, and what they mean is our ability to take a situation and, and turn it around, make it funny, um, the spiritual through line, the infinite self that like, that's always there. That's right. And, that's and then right. we, we, we have a way of finding a safe space where we can always be our full selves, yes. which, which I think is really valuable because then, you know, it's valuable. And then it's, it's not at the same time because you never had the experience of being your whole self in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think what we're really trying to break down, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole idea that we, we are strong and we are pushing through and we have for centuries, but, but at some point you, you have to be able to embody who you are completely, or that truly to me is the end of it all. Like we're just tired of that. We are tired of it. And, um, you know, at at least through the lens of inner fitness. If you were to take racism off the table, right? Mm -hmm. And the hurt, the the hurt that, uh, the trauma that has gone with racism, if you take it off the table, you are still left with people who are incredibly 
um, disconnected from the true self through all kinds of pain, mm-hmm. right? Through all kinds of, you know, uh, rejection, abuse, whatever. Again, a lot of it has to do with just our uh, ignorance up until now about how to better care for the emotional beings that we are. But it is each one of our, we already sort of culturally as black folks, we do have this cultural resilience. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it exists we should lean into it. Mm-hmm. But now our responsibility is to have individual resilience. To use that cultural resilience and have it lead us to a deeper connection with our individual selves. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it right there. Our own lives. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We must, we must, you know, have a greater personal awareness. We must have skills and a practice to be able to say, this happened to me Mm -hmm. and this is how I feel. Because if you can say that, then you can process those emotions so that they don't get lodged inside of your being and you lose sight of yourself. And then, you know, life is hard. So, you know, it's really, it's really, I, 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 I have to tell you, I understand that for people, for some people, it is easier to use drugs than to try and wade through the kind of unaddressed, you know, hurt that they have buried inside. It, it is <laughs> not for the weak of heart. However, that <laughs> yes, however that uh, the faint of heart quote yes. goes. Yes. yes. Oh no, I yes. I understand why people do not choose it. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, but what 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 has me excited, you know, is that it's it's so much easier than you think. Because there is nothing more exciting than to, you know, sit in our Wellness Wednesday or to take a a workout or to go to a therapy session and all of a sudden have that aha moment that gives understanding and voice to previous pain. You're lighter. You are physically lighter. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is it is the best thing since, you know, bread. Mm-hmm. And you and, know what? Mm-hmm. I'll add this point and, and, and you can expand on it because this is in your book and it, this was like the perfect moment because you said when you come to a realization and you, you know, you have that moment, you're lighter. You said something in the book. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. It was the idea that even when you do go through a situation and you feel in that moment that you got it, you resolved it, it may come back again and there is a reason for it. Can you talk, that's my last point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I thought and was that, a breakthrough moment. Yeah, and that actually is uh, one of my favorite parts of the book because I struggled for such a long time 
you know, trying to understand why um, with all the work that I was doing that, you know, when that thing revisited, it just felt like I, you know, hadn't done any work until I understood that the only way to heal the whatever it is, the trauma, the hurt, drama, trauma, upset, disappointment, whatever you're working with, the only way to heal it is for it to show itself again. And when it shows itself again, you have the opportunity of meeting it with more of your whole self. So each time that it revisits, when you have prioritized your inner fitness, when you have begun to build in practices that really do allow you to make those empowered choices in the moment, when you really do see yourself as creative, resilient, empowered to choose whole and worthy, and you begin to operate from a desire and then actions of self-love, when that thing happens again, you get to respond in a way that you didn't respond the first time. You get to respond in a way that is more self-loving because it's the lack of self-love that created the trauma. It's not the experience that created the trauma. It's our internalized meaning that we have laid on top of really difficult realities. But when we take those difficult realities and then on top of that, we reject ourselves and make ourselves in some way wrong. That's where the hurt, you know, burrows down deeply into our being. And so when a past hurt or event surfaces, our job is to address it this time with more self-love. And when you do that, you will expand and it will come around again and you will address it with even more self-love, but you have to learn what that means and what that looks like in action until you are with that thing and that thing does not define you and that thing does not disrupt your sense of yourself in any way. That's called healing. And that's called self-love. And that is in the book, The Little Big of Big Lies, <laughs> A Journey into Inner Fitness. <laughs> I just have two short questions for you, Ms. Tina Linford, and then I will let you go. Okay. The, the first thing I always ask all of my illustrious guests, if you have 24 hours in one day, what are two to three things that you do to ensure your success or support your success in life every day? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, there, there are two principles that I work from, grace and ease 
and bending time. You know, time is a construct. The universe doesn't know anything about, you know, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. That's something that we human beings have created to help us organize, I get it. So I live a very intentional life. I always know what I want. I never necessarily know how to get it, mm-hmm. I get right? That. But knowing what I want is important. And so if I've only got 24 hours and in these busy lives that we are living, quite often my intention is, okay, God, and this is how I walk around my house talking, right? <laughs> okay, God, so how do we bend time and get done what needs to get done with grace and ease. That is always my inner prayer and intention. I refuse to give my life away to stress. Mm-hmm. I refuse to make important things that are not ultimately important. And I am an accountable person. So then I need wizardry. You know, I need that kind of power and intelligence that has organized this entire thing called the universe. I need that as a resource. I'm clear about that. And so I move with that in mind. I will say very quickly that we have 14 practices of inner health and well-being. Uh, that is actually going to be uh, my next book. But practice number one is I turn my life over to a force greater than me that loves me, cares for me, and responds to my part. And I ask for its assistance in all that I do. So that's how I get up. Okay. (laughs) Turn it over. Okay. (laughs) 24 hours and 48, you know, hours worth of stuff. So how, how does this happen with grace and ease? And, and, you know, I've let something greater than me do the sorting and, and, and create the pathways. That's beautiful. Last question. This podcast is called Built by a Boss. What is your definition of a boss? My definition of a boss is a person who cares enough about self, team, and success to do the personal work that allows me to be the most transformational leader that I can be. So that the first rung of business for me is to make sure that my business is handled, Mm -hmm. my inner business is handled, so that I can show up and in the way in which I'm being, be a space and create a space where other people can bring their innate creativity, resilience, empowered uh, to choose their, you know, whole and worthiness to the space. And that we can do this thing called work together, which is not always easy, 
but we can do it consciously and we can do it purposefully and we can do it daring to at least ask for greater levels of grace and ease. And there it is. Ms. Tina Lefford, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for uh, having me. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I appreciate you, Evelyn. Thank you. Wow, wasn't that amazing? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I sure did. Miss Tina Lifford did not come to play. If you'd like to hear more about her amazing journey and learn all of her cutting edge personal development practices, you can sign up right now for a complimentary trial membership through our special Build by a Boss link at www.audibletrial.com backslash built by a boss. That's www.audibletrial.com backslash built by a boss. You can also find this information in the show notes. And if you're new to Built by a Boss, liked this episode and found it valuable, please take a moment to leave a five-star review and a comment. It really helps other people find us who might like the podcast. You can also join our Built by a Boss Patreon community for as low as $1 a month and help us create more content like our Increase Your Side Income course on Teachable that's designed to help beginning entrepreneurs on their journey. You can follow us at Built by a Boss on Instagram and Facebook, and also visit me at InMySolitudeLA.com for well-being content that supports your mind, body, and spirit. As always, thanks for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Until next time, be kind, be brave, be better, be a boss.